dive into our message for today. Next week, we're going to look at a message entitled The Way of Peace. So today, we're going to look at experience the peace of God, how to experience the peace of, of God. Uh, with your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. That is our text for uh, where we're going in this message. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful uh, portion of Scripture, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 to verse 7. Last week I said, if you have not read the book of Philippians, I encourage you to do that. This is the last chapter that the Apostle Paul um, is, is writing um, in Philippians, and he's given uh, a very powerful message to the Philippian church. He speaks to them of how they partnered with him. He speaks of how the joy they bring to him. Uh, he just loves this church. It's a church that he enjoys pastoring, and he's really letting them know that what's happening to him um, that there is a peace that he's experiencing that he wants them to experience as well. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7, we'll read that from the English Standard Version, and then we will pray, and then we will uh, dive into a message for, for this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It begins, do not be anxious about anything. Someone underline anything. If you have a Bible, it's okay to write in your Bible. God told me it's okay. You can write in your Bible. Do not be anxious about anything. The Greek of anything is anything, right? So do not be anxious about anything. Something minor, don't be anxious about it. Something major, do not be anxious about it. But in everything, underline that, in everything, by what? Prayer. It says it right there. But in everything, by prayer. Before I continue to read this, it's interesting that Jesus said, Jesus said this, my house shall be called a house of preaching. My house shall be called a house of praise. My house shall be called a house of prayer. The very thing Jesus said is the most important thing to be in his house is the thing we do the least and you wonder why we're so anxious. Oh gosh, I'm already starting heavy and it's not even like five minutes into it yet. So the enemy loves great preaching, <laughs> and the enemy loves that we have a, prayer, a praise fest. But the Bible says in James, when the weakest sinner gets on his knees, the devil trembles. So he doesn't tremble when we're praising because it could just be emotional. We like the genre of music, we like the emotions of it. But prayer, now that's warfare. And so he's telling us that... In everything by prayer. So this is not where you have to lock yourself away for 20 hours and just pray. It's a lifestyle of prayer. It's when you're in your car, you're praying. It's when you're watching the dishes, you pray. It's when you're watching a show, you pray. It's every time the Holy Spirit says, you need to pray now, pray. And so that is the most powerful thing because in this particular book of Philippians, Paul says that my deliverance will be because of the help of the Holy Spirit and your prayers. So when someone says, I'm praying for you, that's one of the greatest things you can say to get them to a place of experiencing peace. So when you pray for somebody, it's not just a religious thing that you're saying. You're actually telling them that the most important thing that you need is for me to pray because anxiety is trying to attack you in some area of your life. Minor or major. 
For a millionaire, they still got to worry about money. And for someone who only makes 40000 it's still worrying about money. It's irrelevant how much. It's the reality of the anxiety because of how we see money. So don't choke if someone's a multimillionaire or someone makes 40000 In God's mind, you both need peace. <laughs> Amen, somebody. And so he says, but in everything by prayer. Can you imagine what will happen if we become a church of prayer? Oh, my goodness. The freedom you will experience. And so the enemy fights us. And so the apostle Paul says, I know I'm locked up. I'm not where you guys are. I'm locked up. I'm away from you. But the greatest thing I want to tell you is this. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. The book of Acts really is the book of prayer. It's constantly they were praying all the time. But, but I, I don't know how to pray. Just pray God's word. It's the sincerity of your heart that God's looking for. It's not the repetition of the word. Jesus says that. It's not by your vain repetition. So let's deal with the lies of the enemy. I don't know how to pray. No, we rebuke that in Jesus' name. Open your mouth and just say, God, I thank you because you're good to me. God, I thank you. I've got my right mind. God, I thank you that I have my ability to move. God, I thank you. I got people who love me. God, I thank you. Come on, that's it. God, I thank you. This anxiety has no room. Why? Because I am praying because you told me in everything to pray. Please remember as well that in the book of Ephesians, prayer is a weapon. There's six, there's seven weapons, but we forget about the seventh, which is prayer. So you're dressed in all the armor of God and you wonder why you're not making progress is because he's saying, pray. Now the danger is this, folks, that when Jesus went to pray, the disciples fell asleep. I promise you, put the music on and you can stay awake and it's amazing. And, and you can hear great preaching and your favorite preaching. You can have all of that. But the moment you go to pray, you fall asleep. Because the enemy is fighting us in that area of prayer. It's just about everything by prayer and supplication. Now, there's a point to what I'm getting at this because here's the deal. Because we have to actually experience the peace of God. God didn't just give us his peace so it can just float in the atmosphere. God gave us his peace so that it would calm our hearts. His peace. And so it says, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to who? To God. Now, this is very important as we're going to dive deep into this. Because we're going to see the reason why we don't experience peace is we have an issue with God. It's the only reason why. We have an issue with God. I'm going to show you right now. When we get to this text, you can say, this is so good. Someone say, this is good. Come on, say it by faith because you haven't heard too much, but this is good. I have an issue with God? Yeah, we do. We do. And we're going to show you how it's silent, but it's significant. Because Paul said, let your request be made known who? To God. And so he's going to invite us into a space with God that we must be in to experience his peace in every area of our lives. And then he goes on, and the peace of God, the New Living Translation says, then you will experience God's peace. So, so he's saying verse 6 is what he established, the principle, and then he says in verse number 7, then you will experience the peace of God. He didn't say the peace. He says, then you will experience the peace of God. So we have to make our prayer request to God. Why? So we can experience the peace of God. Listen, um, Prayer is hard. 
I don't like to pray, but I love God and God told me to pray. (laughs) That's why I pray. It's because God and my love for God, he tells me to pray to him. So that's why I pray. And the peace of God which surpasses our understanding. There's a great, great friend of mine. He literally, I would consider him an apostle of prayer. And he says, when you actually get to this place where you welcome peace into a church, people are so accustomed to chaos that when chaos leaves, they have no idea what to do. So they fight against the prayer movement because you remove their chaos. They're confused now. Now what do I do? I've never, I've never experienced this peace before. I've just lived with this. And the Father is saying, that's not my design for you. I don't want you just to live with chaos. I want you to live in peace. And so, therefore, we, we look at this and we can see then that the peace of God does what? Surpasses all understanding. So let us pray since I've been talking about prayer. Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that we're going to experience your peace like never before. That we desire to be a house of prayer. That we desire to be people in the season of all the busyness. That we will make sure that we are people of prayer. That by the help of the Holy Spirit and by my prayer for my brothers and sisters, they'll walk in peace this season. Father, we ask you blessed to be upon this word. As you've given it to me, Lord God, I pray I'll deliver it with sincerity, with authority, and with clarity. Be with us in this place. We bind and rebuke every devil, every demon, every distraction. And this word will go forth because it will not return to you, Lord. Lord, it will accomplish that which you've sent it forth to do in Jesus' name. Let's say amen. Amen. It is interesting as I was preparing this message and listening to some people speak on Philippians chapter 4. And as I was looking at this, I believe this is a true statement to be made. That the numbers may change, the percentage may change, I think actually increase, but this is why we must be, be absolutely, absolutely convinced that we need to experience the peace of God. It says this, that, that there, is, there is no peace as confirmed by the reports of physicians who attribute as much as 75% of all diseases, 75% of all diseases are connected to inner turmoil, hatred, fear, anxiety, or tension. Welcome to when you wake up in the morning time. <laughs> we do not live in a peaceful world. That's why we promote world peace. That's why we offer different things to say, how can we bring peace? Because they're looking and they're realizing that some of the diseases that we are facing is because anxiety has taken over your house. And what has happened is this. It didn't just go from a room, it moved into your bed. And when you wake up, anxiety says, welcome, good morning. And so a lot of the things that we are experiencing is because there's so much anxiety, fear, hatred, inner turmoil, tension. So many different things are happening. And so people realize now that we don't live in a peaceful world. And so the, the, the governments of this world does everything they can to try to bring peace. For a way of review, I need this to really sink in. I desire, Holy Spirit, let this sink in. Here is the definition of biblical peace. And we looked at it last week. It means safety, well-being, 
happiness. Who needs favor? Every hand should go up here like this, man. Prosperity in essence. It is completeness. It is tranquility. With nothing broken, missing, or lost. I love that part. Nothing broken. Here is Jesus on the cross. And what they would do, if you're not familiar with the Roman crucifixion, crucifixion is that they would break the legs because one thing that they could do to prolong death is they can push themselves up and take some of the pressure off, and it can help them to breathe. And so they would break the leg. Not only did they just beat them, if you survive just the flogging, if you can survive just the, the beating, Jesus survived that, folks. Some died just at the hands of the flogging that they would do. Jesus survived that, goes to the cross for our peace. Not a peacekeeper, but making peace. Come on. Like I tell you, the reason why is we have an issue with God, that we're at war with God. And so if we dive deep, which we're going to do it because experience is trying to get into your life. But there is a theological blockage, a lie of the enemy, obviously, that's keeping you from experiencing the peace of God. So Jesus goes to the cross and he, what he does now, he looks, he says, Father, they need vertical peace because they're at war with you. And so he goes, and so they see that they're still on the cross, the, the thieves and, and, the, and the criminals, and they break their legs, and they break their legs. They come to Jesus, and they didn't break his legs. Why? Because, because the Bible says that, that to be complete and to be an offering, there can't be any defects. And so therefore, he says, it's complete. Oh, come on, folks. Even in the historical crucifixion, that Jesus was saying that there was nothing broken about me. Oh, that's so good right there. That is so good right there. And what that does, it sets us up to understand positional peace. That's Romans 5, verse 1, in case you want to write that down. That you're justified by faith. That's Romans 5, 1. you got to memorize that. Put that on your kitchen sink. Put that on your mirror. Put that someplace. Tattooed. I don't care. But get Romans chapter 5, verse 1 in you. We're justified by faith. And so we have peace with God. That's the first thing. So as we're evangelizing, we're telling people about this reason for the season. Tell them the war is over. Not the physical war. Of men hating men. But the war with God is over. Someone say it's over. Jesus said it's finished. And so positionally now God looks and says, I want my favor to be on you. Oh, Come on, come on, come on. I'm breaking, I'm breaking some religious mindset now because we're, we're, we contribute certain things to God. That's not God. He says my favor is on you. So how could God be the cause of cancer? How could God be the cause of these diseases if God says, my favor is on you? What kind of God do we serve that on one hand puts favor, then puts fear? And so because we don't know our positional position or our positional peace, we don't go to God as often as we should. And he said, I want you to experience my peace. Is this helping anybody? Come on. Because I'm telling you right now, many of our challenges... Conflicts at work, conflicts in your home, conflicts in your marriage is because someone got out of positional peace. And so the war you're having with this person is because there must be a war with this person. And so it's positional peace. I, I, I told someone this. That this can help you. I love this. So, so as, you're, as you're raising your children and, and as you're engaged in business, I want people to understand that you don't go to church. You are the church. 
Now, write that down because, again, you look at it, yeah, write it down. You are the church. And what we do is we gather together in community. So, if you plan a family vacation to go see the mouse in Florida, right? You're going to go see Mickey. And you tell your kids, we're going on family vacation. They don't fight you because that's what we do as a family. So when we as the church gather for community, what we're doing is we're doing this as a family. This is what the families do. So stop trying to fight certain things that God's like, why are you at war? It really tells you they don't know their positional peace. And they're at war with God, not with you. And so that brings peace to you now, recognizing I don't have to perform. I don't have to try to do all these things. Guess what I do? I just simply say, this is my position in Christ. And this is what we do as a family. This is what we do as a business. As a business, I'm at peace with God. So guess what? The favor of God's on my business. Do it all the time. Yeah, for example, I said, you know, with, with Greg and his, and, his, and his cleaning company, his business. And we would talk, and, and I don't know if, he, if I got on his nerves, but he would say, man, I, I got this job. I says, no, you have a client. And he would go on again, and he goes, yeah, man. I said, no, you have a client. I said, the other cleaning companies have jobs. You have a client that you service. Oh, come on, somebody. Look at the difference. Look at the difference. I'm in position with God. So the excellence, the favor that's on me is different from every other company who's not in position with God. So I'm not in competition with them. I'm walking in the favor and the peace of God on my business. Ooh, that'll help somebody right there. That'll help somebody right there. Change the atmosphere when they walk into like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Why? Because you're recognizing now that this is it. The shalom, the favor, the happiness, the prosperity. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It's not about profit. It's about peace. And if I pursue peace, the profits will find itself. Oh, my goodness. So I love, I love, I love business owners. I, I just think that they have to live in that place of, of constant peace. Of constant peace. Oh, that's helping somebody. Because, because the Hebrew word of peace didn't stop when Matthew wrote his book. We almost look at the Old Testament and see all the see all that happened in the Old Testament. And then we think, okay, end of the story, and now let's get to the New Testament. Let me tell you something. The Bible that Paul had was the Old Testament. That's what he had. That's what he had. It was the Old Testament. And he took the word peace, shalom, and brought it in. It's just that it's Greek. It's a Greek definition of it. It didn't lose its Hebrew meaning of favor and prosperity and essence and all those things. Because when they greeted one another, they would say shalom. That's how they greet each other was shalom. And so this has to, to, to drive in. And the reason why is because I cannot rush you. I cannot get you to a place where we just shout, but there's no substance. And if you don't know your position peace-wise like this, you'll never walk into the place of understanding your personal peace. And your personal peace is vital. This is discipleship 101. That you have personal peace. And I've shared last week, and the reason I'm emphasizing this, number one, the Holy Spirit told me, you got to get them wrong to understand positional peace and their personal peace. Because the peace that the world offers is not good for you. Say with me, it's not good for me. There is nothing the world's going to offer you that's going to be good for you. I said oh, to, to this side. There is nothing the world is going to offer you that's going to be good for you. Nothing. At all. 
that the world will offer you that is good. So I'm in the world, not of the world, to bring peace to the world. Because there's people saying, how come I don't have peace? Because the world can't give you peace. And so when we're looking at this, we must understand now, do you walk in personal peace? Can you imagine walking up to somebody, Minister Josephine, and they realize I'm chosen by God. You're like, what? I'm chosen by God. You have to have some serious confidence to make that type of statement. But the enemy's been lying all day, bombarding you with thousands of thoughts where you realize, I don't even know who I am now. You're no good. Remember what you did. Remember your dream last night. And so we start believing that and all these different things. And so all of a sudden we lose our confidence. People walk up to us and we just look like the world. Listen, joy is an actual fruit of the spirit. You can't come and be saved and have your face look like you're not happy to go to heaven. I, 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 I know, I'm, not, I'm just telling you. That joy, the word rejoice is the, is the word that comes from that. So Paul says, rejoice, change your face. I'm in prison, you're free, and I'm more happy than you are, man. I love when I went to the mirror correction center. I would go in there, and, and, and I tell you, I would forget that I'm in prison. I mean, we're worshiping and praising God, and, and I'm like, we're so free, and we're locked up. Oh, visiting, of course, yeah. And we're at church, and these people, and they're free. And I'm like, listen, man, we are now free on the outside. We should be free on the inside as well. Someone say joy. Joy. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Come on, if the Spirit is in you, have some joy. Yes, have your personality. Yes, be introvert, extrovert. I do all the psychology. I get it, your personality. But I'm talking about the Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. Have some joy, man. When I first got saved, I'm like, y'all look like you're sucking on great or something, man. It was like, this is the church? And so um, I remember the first time we, we came up. Let me get my time. So, so this is kind of a, a statement. So the individual who, who impacted my life the greatest, um, his name is Daniel Vassal, and uh, he passed away a couple of weeks ago. And he's, he's the reason I'm here. He's Reason why I word. I mean, he's just, he's the most important person in my life. He was the state youth, he was the uh, uh, youth director at the time, and um, phenomenal individual, him and his wife. And he, he passed away suddenly. And, and so, um, you know, I was reminiscent. But I remember when we first came into church, and like, it was about like seven of us, and, and it was so boring. We came in and we we're like, oh my gosh, like, like, what the heck is this? You know what I mean? It was just. And so the Lord really kept the things of truth, you know what I mean? Because I love the old hymn, so I kept that. But I said, we got to change this atmosphere. And so he's the first one that allowed us to rap. And, and so we're like, we got to express ourselves. And so we, you know, we did a Christian rap, as you guys have heard, and, and things like that. But what he did was he set us up to understand the joy of the Lord. And he says, rap just stands for rhythm and poetry. And he says, all these guys are doing is just acknowledging the joy that they have. Don't kill their joy with your tradition. And I remember one of the pastors who was like, ah, you know, I mean, you can't be doing that. He and I were sharing a room. I was speaking. He was the guest speaker, and I was in, in, at the camp, and I was in leadership. And I remember when he turned to me, and he says, you know, when you guys first came to rap, um, man, I was, I was concerned. I didn't know. It was something new to the church. It was, you were bringing joy that we never had before. <laughs> but he said, I've watched your lifestyle. I've watched your lifestyle. 
And I could see that this joy was real. And he celebrated the thing. So what I'm talking about is this, is that when you understand the reason why we have to have joy is because following joy is peace. It's love, joy, and peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And if you have no joy, it's indication that you really don't understand your personal peace. And so your personal peace, to be chosen, listen, that's an amazing thing, Julie. Tell people who are, I'm chosen. Don't tell them your name. Who are you? I'm chosen. Not the movie that's going on, you know what I mean, or the docuseries. I'm chosen. Not LeBron. I'm chosen. Come on, right? You know what I mean? I'm chosen. And to say that, that means you must have some serious confidence to walk up to people and say, I'm chosen. And that's what you have to say. You've got to realize your identity. Why? Because you want the peace of God in your mind. The Greek word for peace also represents this thought uh, and the cares of this world that you fight daily. You're at a state of rest because I know who I am. So with your personal peace, and I want you to do, I'm going to encourage you, write out your convictions, your non-negotiable. Write them out. Then bring them to the Bible and see if your convictions match what the Bible says. So write them out. If you're married, sit down with your husband and write it. These are my convictions. And then you can then talk about being an American citizen, right? So these are my convictions from the word of God that I don't care what happens. These are my convictions. I don't care what is happening. I'm never going to move from these convictions. And then put out there, and then this is how I'm going to live those things out as an American citizen in this great nation that we live in. It'll help you. I promise you. It'll bring peace to you. You won't be confused anymore. You can watch the news and not be confused anymore. Why? Because you have certain convictions. And what will happen is when those convictions get challenged, you realize now, am I really experiencing peace or not? Because if those convictions get to a place where they're being challenged and you compromise into those convictions, guess what happens? You weren't really rooted in personal peace then. You're not really in that position of peace that God wants you to have. And so what do you do? You don't condemn yourself. You get to a place, God, I need to experience your peace then. I need a peace that's going to surpass all these understanding. Okay? And so what Paul was saying in this particular chapter, here's what he was saying, is this. Let me give you some context, right? Is this. Paul in this section... As I said before, it's the last chapter of Philippians. He's describing this peace of God that's not just positional or personal. He's saying because it's positional, because it's personal, you can now, what he calls, experience this peace or experiential peace. And this is what it means. If you're taking notes, write this down. It means if you are experiencing the peace of God, it means, number one, you have surrendered your will to God's will. That's the first thing. So I'm experiencing peace. What do I do? I have surrendered my will. What will? We're going to get to it. I've surrendered my will to God's will. Because I'm going to make my prayer request known to God. There has to be a surrender to God. So I surrender my will. Someone say my will. My, my will. I surrender my will to whose will? God's will. So he tells them, this is how you pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a surrendered individual who's experienced peace. That is so good. I know it is. Praise God. First thing, surrender. And so when you're seeing now that there's conflict, you realize someone hasn't surrendered their will to God's will. Because you wrote out your convictions, right? You have your convictions, and those convictions match with the word of God. So you have what? A clear conscience, right? And so because of that clear conscience and because you know you're chosen, you now engage relationally by saying, I've surrendered my will, right, to the will of the Father, and I can trust God entering into this relationship. So I'm at peace. I'm not coming to fight you. I'm not coming at war with you. I'm actually coming in with peace. 
And so Paul was saying the reason why he can be in this condition, I've surrendered my will. And here's the, I surrendered my decision for God's decision he already made. So God already made a decision, and I'm just surrendering to God's decision. I'm going to talk about the sovereignty of God in a way that's going to be like, so awesome. Number two, not just surrender their will to his will, they also submit to his authority. So they walk out God's will. They don't surrender to it. Hey, God, nice thought. I'll do my own thing. They actually now not just surrender, but they submit to his authority. Authority is a good word. For in Ephesians says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness. Where? In high places. So some of the battles for your peace is spiritual. It is spiritual. It is in the heavenly realm. Oh, my gosh. It is spiritual. And so you've got to know your authority. You've got to know you're chosen by God. Someone say, I'm chosen. Come on, say, let the devil know you're chosen. Oh, my God, my God, my God. When the enemy went after Job, God said, have you considered my servant Job? Oh, my word, who's chosen, who's making a difference, who's at peace. So it's a surrender to his will. It's submit to his authority. And here it is now. And it's also to walk in the spirit's empowered obedience. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. That I walk now, not in my own soul, which is important, but I walk in the Spirit's empowered obedience. Someone say, I have a soul. Right. But you also, number one, you're a spirit first. You are a spirit who possesses a soul. And you live in a body. Ooh, pastor. And you got to be at peace with that, folks. That you are first a spirit who possesses a soul, who lives in a body. And what he's saying is that when you surrender your will, when you submit to his authority, now you're telling your soul, you better listen to what the Spirit is saying. When we get to Colossians, you're going to see when it talks about let, this, let Christ's peace rule your heart. It's to rule your heart, which is so important. And here it is now. It doesn't just end there. God didn't say, okay, I want you to experience peace, surrender to my will, and submit to my authority, and walk in the spirit that I gave you, by the way, in obedience, just so God can say, yeah, I'm God. He does it so you can experience his good, acceptable, and perfect will. He does it for your benefit, for my benefit. So what's the first thing I have to do then? Given all that, what I got to do, this is where we have to understand that experiential Peace, my first point, if it's up on the screen, my first, experiential peace is aggressive. It's not passive. It's aggressive. You got to get to a place where you just said enough is enough. When you're at peace, you got to realize that the external is trying to interrupt your internal. How dare you have the nerve, come on, to come and do that. Remember where we're leaving and coming to Canada, we had to, we had to sell our house. And, and I remember we were trying to do it. And, and, and I admit to you um, that I'm not the, the you know, the out, outdoor work is not my calling. Amen, somebody. I, 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 I praise God. I, I think that's why I employ someone who has the gift of outdoor thing to do that stuff. And, and so I, I didn't, I didn't mow the, the, the lawn. It wasn't like a lot of space. I just, I just, I just didn't do it. And, and I don't know how people get joy in that. You know what I mean? It's bumpy ride and they're doing their thing. And I'm like, I'd rather read a book and drink lemonade, you know, but don't be doing your thing, headphones and all that stuff, right? So I hire you because y'all love to do that stuff. 
And so I didn't do that. And, and so the, the backyard looked like it was a jungle. It was pretty bad. And I definitely didn't have my man card. It was, it was pretty bad. And so we needed something to supersede that when people are looking at the house, right? Because and we tried baking cookies, and that didn't work, you know what I mean, and all that stuff. Because the back was a jungle, you know what I mean? So the house smelled great, jungle. Ah, we don't want it. And I remember when it was just like something was going on, and all of a sudden Meg got into this aggressive mode, man. And she says, now listen, devil. <laughs> mm, I love when she gets in that mode. I'm like, ooh, it's on. And she goes, this house will sell in Jesus' name. Then excuse my jungle. But it made her realize that there was aggressive ability to go before God. And says, God, in despite of Rome, come on, move for your glory. Because you made a decision in advance, we must come to America. And so all of a sudden, people came in and says, yeah, we'll take the house and the jungle. And glory to God, he had the gift of outdoor work, and he did that stuff, right? And so we did. What I'm telling you right now is that there's things that we are cohabitating with that is chaos that you have to be aggressive until to get out. Got to tell to get out. It's packaged in a way that makes it look like it's good for you, but it's not. It's not. Hear my heart on this one, America. Hear my heart on this one, please. Please, there's no doubt in my mind that God has brought us to this amazing nation. I am absolutely 100% no that God has sent us here on an apostolic assignment because he loves this nation or he would never do that to me. That's how confident I am with God. That there's a remnant of people in this nation, in this state, that God is saying, I've sent you here to speak my word to them. And so when I make this statement, please understand it's because of how the enemy is lying to us. And you receive this aggressive peace when you understand kingdom versus religion. Religion is performance. Kingdom is taking territory. Kingdom is advancing. When you find someone who's religious and aggressive, they're a turnoff. They become self-righteous. They become this religious nut. We're supposed to produce fruit, not nuts, right? And so they become this, this, they become this nut, and you're like, oh, my gosh, and do these things like you're weird. You know what I mean? And so Pentecostal get corrupted where we all are Pentecostal. There's no other denomination. We're all Pentecostals. Because we have what conflict with God. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. No, that's religion. And what we have done, and hear me, if there's a word for this nation, I'm telling you right now, to the church, not to the sinners. Sinners are doing great. They're sinners. They're doing better being a sinner than we're being a saint. Sinners like, I'm going to do this thing full blown. If I'm a sinner, let me just go all out of town. We have saints. I don't know if I really want to be a saint. Sinners like, I want to be a sinner, man. Praise God. I don't want to be a saint, right? And so what we have to understand is this, is that, is that Christianity, if you only see it as a religion and not see the kingdom of God, it'll make room, oh gosh, for you to compromise and think you're still okay and you're at peace. I'm not saying it'll prevent you from going to heaven. I'm saying it's going to prevent you from experiencing peace on earth. I'll never talk about the rock-solid salvation without works, for sure. That's yours. I will never touch that. You believe you're saved, you save. Praise God. That's between you and God when, you, when God blows the trumpet. You know what I mean? If you come up, that means, okay, great. 
But I'm talking about the peace that you can have now, that you have to be aggressive. And here's what we have to start teaching people. Are you living in the kingdom? Not are you a religious nut. Are you living in the kingdom? Because if you're living in the kingdom, this experiential peace is aggressive. It's taking territory. Come on. It's taking territory. It's recognizing that my Sunday also has to come into my Monday. And my Tuesday. And my Wednesday. And my Thursday. It is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added onto you. So as a pastor, I hear people speak to me all the time. And I'm like, please speak kingdom. Speak kingdom. Why? Because this peace that you experience is aggressive. In other words, when people say it doesn't take all that, you're right on track. (laughs) That's an indication to know that I'm on track. When you get people who get agitated at your aggressiveness. It's called being radical for the Lord. Amen, somebody. It's got to actually believe what I actually live. One of the things I want God to free us from is being functional atheists. We believe in God, but we don't live as if we do. That's a functional atheist. You'll make it to heaven. I want to make sure everybody's happy with me. You'll make it to heaven. But for the healthy people, I'm telling you right now, you're making no impact on the earth. And so we have to recognize that. Let me go on. So that's the first thing. And so this peace that we're talking about is a, is, is a peace that looks at life and it says, I will, right, right, here it is now, here it is. They're saying, I will not be victimized by the events of this world. If it attacks me, I go on the offense. I'll build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. There's no armor for the back. Why? We're not supposed to be stabbed in the back, number one. But there's no armor for the back because we're always forward in our thinking. We never retreat. We advance. We always are advancing. Why? Because we're bringing a message of what? Someone say with me, peace. Peace is what we want. So how many are going to make a decision today? I've got to get more aggressive in my faith. I have to actually be more open with my faith. I have to actually take what I learned on Sunday and bring it on Monday. I'm actually going to tell people, how was your weekend? It was amazing. Heard this guy talk about peace. And guess what? At this workplace, we're not going to walk in this peace. It's affecting our profits. It's affecting what we do. It's causing people to have sick days. Why? Because of this chaos that's here. So let's bring peace so we can be productive and we can actually expand and we can service people like we're supposed to. And we can provide a, a, a product that is, that, that's reputable and that has excellence in it. Because as a believer, I work here. Listen to me, church. I'm going to move off from this point to my second point. How do we come to a place of peace? But I want you to understand this. That I'm that guy that fills that survey out at the end when the, when the customer serves. I'm serious. And, and, and we tip well, but I, I struggle because I'm like, if they didn't do it right, I'm like, babe, it's like, ah, oh, give it. I'm like, okay. For the Lord, you know what I mean? But I'm like, come on, man. Like, I've been sitting, you didn't even ask me if I wanted, like, come on. And I said, you can't be a Christian. <laughs> because if you understand, listen. I have so much faith that when you serve people right, man, because we're praying today we can drop a $1,000 tip. Just like, you know what? The Lord just spoke to us. Here you go. And just change your world. Mm. Come on. Bring peace to your finance. Huh? That's the kind of thing that we want. That's why we want prosperity. Not because we want to be greedy and and get some shiny Bentley. No, we want to be able to change someone's world. We want to be able to be aggressive and be able to say, hey, when I walk in, you get my table. Come on, somebody. That's so good. That's so good. I got to hurry up. 
So how do we come to this place of peace? I've told you this peace is, is aggressive. How do we come to this place of peace? And here it is. Write this down. How you come to a place of peace? And my second point is this. Write this down. God is sovereign over all. Paul writes and says, make your request be made known to who? God. This God is sovereign over all. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Um, let's do our seven inning stretch. You know what I mean? Come on. Stick with me. Oh, yes, Lord. Shake yourself to get comfortable in that chair. But we're going to. We're going to come to a place of peace. See, the enemy has been holding it back, and he's pushing stuff, and he's bringing anxiety. Because he knows if you ever get to a place of peace, it's all over. If you ever get to a place you recognize the sovereignty of God in your life, it is over. Sin has no room for someone to recognize the sovereignty of God. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Because sin is really just missing the mark against God. It's not a behavior. It's missing the mark of what God says you are. And then it manifests into a behavior. And so this is it. How do you come to a place of peace? Thanks for asking. It is God is sovereign over all. I need you to turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter number 1. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. This is so cool. This is so, so, so cool. This is amazing. As we come to a place of peace that God is sovereign over all, we're going to see in 1 Samuel chapter number 5 how that's, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 5 and verse 6. And, and how this works is, is this, okay? We have to back up now and we have to understand this story is about Hannah and giving birth to Samuel who was so instrumental in your Old Testament. Samuel was the bridge between the judges and the, 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 the priests and also the king. Samuel was the one who anointed the first king of Israel, which was Saul. And so his role is vital. And so Hannah now is given birth or she is barren. And so we see this taking place. But the first thing we have to understand is this, is that peace follows prayer. Is that peace follows prayer. And so how do we come to a place of peace? We have to recognize that peace follows prayer. So my prayer got me into this place of peace. And that's what the enemy says. Let's not make them pray because as long as they don't pray, they can't get to a place of peace. Is this making sense to anybody? It's so vital. And so as we look at really peace that follows prayer, if we can get that up on the board, we have to recognize this, that God is sovereign over all. So therefore, the peace that follows prayer is this. We have to start with God. We have to start with God. Someone say, I'm starting with God. Yeah, yeah. So when I get my card, I'm starting with God. That's what I'm doing. I'm actually realizing I can't start with my spouse. I can't start with my boss. I can't start with my best friend. I can't kick it back with my homeboys. I've got to first start with God. When issues take place, I'm not ignoring you, and I'm not trying not to communicate. I've got to go back to God. I know you want to help me, but my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And when I hear from God, I'll come back to you in peace. Ooh. And so we start with God. And one of the examples is this. As we go to verse 13, excuse me, not verse 5, but go to verse 13 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 13 to verse 17. And watch this now. So, so here's an example of the peace that follows prayer from the Old Testament that brings us that we come to a place of peace. And here it is now. Then Hannah was speaking in her heart. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. <laughs> 
See, that's prayer. It doesn't have to be this loud type of thing, but it's aggressive. It's aggressive. She's barren. And she's, it's aggressive. And so she's praying. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered. She didn't stay silent. She said, hold on a second here. I got to get aggressive with you now. It's one thing for you to misinterpret my actions. But now you're trying to identify me as something. And Hannah answered. Someone's, you got to answer the critics. Come on. I'm not saying you have to believe them. I say you have to answer them. And you got to get to a place. No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. The difference between wine and strong drink. Strong drink. And so she says, but I have poured out my soul. My what? My soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. For all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety. And what? Vexation. So she's saying that there's a peace that I need. I am a woman and I'm barren. Oh, gosh. And I'm not at peace with that. I'm not cool with that. Come on. I am a believer but not walking in my breakthrough. I'm not cool with that. Come on. And so, therefore, I need to get to a peace that follows prayer. And so, God is my answer. And so, I'm not using strong drink. I'm not using wine. What I need, those things can't satisfy. Because I will get over the hangover, but I'm still going to not be at peace. Come on, somebody. And so, I need to start with God. I need to be able to get to a place where I am cool with God because God is the issue of my barrenness. Now, we got quiet. I'm going to the one I have issues with. I'm praying to the one that has not answered my prayers. And worse, he's made Paniah produce kids at a rapid pace like a rabbit. So I have an issue with you, God. So her husband comes and tries to bring peace to her by giving a double portion of the meat. He said, I don't want your meat. I want a child. And my issue is not with you. My issue is with God. And then Benaiah came and irritated her. Come on, ladies, get along. You got to celebrate each other. You know what I'm saying? Instead of provoking each other, you got to celebrate each other. Let me leave that alone before I get in trouble. Right, and so... We're seeing this peace that follows prayer. And so it gets to my point now is where she is loved by her husband but doesn't give her peace, doesn't bring peace. She is provoked by her rival, but that doesn't bring her peace. And here's the deal. She's being provoked in the church. So there's no peace at home. And so she goes to church and there's no peace at church. Wherever she goes, she has an issue with God. And if we really read your email. Deep down, you're saying I have an issue with God because he is responsible. Why? Because when I come to a place of peace, my other point is this. God is sovereign over all. And so, how do I address that? We've got three minutes to communicate this. Here's where it goes. Number one, when you recognize that God is sovereign over all, you will stop blaming God. Write that down. You will stop blaming God. When you get to a place of recognizing I want to experience this peace 
Paul got to a place of where he realized, I'm not blaming God at all. He says, whether I have plenty or I have lack, in this I've learned to be content. I'm not blaming God. He's sovereign over all. And I've surrendered my will to him. I've surrendered my will to I submit to his authority. And I'm going to look at the Holy Spirit work. Stop blaming God. And the people you're going to be bringing these prayer cards to, they're going to say, I don't want your God because he's the reason why my cousin died. He's the reason why the table is empty this Christmas. He's the reason why we can't have peace in this house because we're still grieving over the loss of this person. So I don't want your God. Thank you very much. That's what we're facing. If the truth be told of why people are not experiencing peace. That's the reality that we're facing. And as a church, if we stay silent to that, yes, teach them how to grieve, but let's, let's communicate the God of the Bible. Stop blaming God, because that's exactly what Adam did when he came and he was at conflict with God. What did Adam say? It was you who gave me this woman, God. Right from the beginning, blaming God. Adam did that. And so I promise you there's people this Christmas who's going to see an empty chair because of COVID, cancer, suicide, something, and they're blaming God, and you can't even say grace over the meal. Why? Because they don't believe. Because here's the reason why. Because they really believe God caused this thing to happen because he's sovereign. God allowed this thing to happen because he's sovereign. Or God could have prevented things from happening, and he did not. And I have an issue with the God you're trying to introduce me to. That's the reality, folks. And how do I come to a place of peace with that? It can't be just the praise and worship. It can't just be, come on, the preaching. It's got to be a place of prayer where I come to and I wrestle with God like Jacob did. And I wrestle and I'm not going to let go, God, until you bless me. Because I'm tired of blaming you. But you got to break me, God. You got to break me. The chair is empty. You got to break me, God. The issue is I'm blaming you because you're sovereign over all. And for me to fill out a prayer card, I got to get to this place where I'm at peace with God of what happened. God's heart is weeping. And he's saying, as Job, verse chapter 122 says, in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. He said, naked I came into this world. And naked I shall return. What the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. That's not some sort of passive thing. He said, God, you're sovereign. And I don't understand why my kids went through that. I don't understand why my finances. I don't understand. But one thing I know, you're sovereign. And for the rest of the chapters, his friends are trying to help him. Everyone's, even his wife is saying, but he says, listen, I can't blame God. I know I don't understand, but there's a peace that surpasses understanding, my God. And Paul wrote about it when here it was that Job experienced it and Paul writes about it. And they would have had the Old Testament and they would have recognized Hannah and they would have recognized Job. That they both came to a place of peace. Rustling with God. Hear me, TGP. You have to get to this place where you're going to rustle with God with this issue. God, why did you let me get raped? God, why did you let me go through this? God, why did you let this happen to me? God, why did this? I trusted this person. Am I preaching this thing? And no amount of tongues is going to change that. 
And no amount of oil is going to change that. I have an issue with God and I'm blaming him. But I got to wrestle with this thing. Because the war has got to be over this Christmas. I can't go another Christmas blaming God. I can't do it. And will someone please help me? Help me come to peace with this. Here's how you come. You got to stop fighting God. You're blaming God and he's taking up your energy. And you're fighting with God. You're fighting with God because maybe you're running away from God. And if you run away from God, you're moving away from the place of peace. Stop running. Stop fighting. It's time to surrender. Amen, somebody. Surrender to his will. Stop being a Jonah. Listen, don't marry a Jonah. They'll mess up your life. Stop running from your calling. Stop fighting against God. You will understand it in the sweet by and by. He will give you peace to recognize what had happened. He will explain it to you. My mentor, the instrumental person in my life, I'm sleeping. I wake up to the, to the noise that he dies in Africa doing the Lord's work. Doing God's work. He dies there. And I'm in bed rustling with God. What happened? But one thing I know is this. I need to experience his peace. So I've got to stop fighting against God. First of all, he's bigger than me. And he was before me. And he's above me. And he supersedes any thoughts that I can. Stop fighting with God. Tell your kids, stop fighting with God. They're not fighting you. They're fighting against God. They're not at peace with God. And stop telling them they're at peace with God. You're not at peace with God. You're blaming God for something. Grandpa died and you, you silently in your bed is, is screaming out, God, why'd you take grandpa? Why'd you take grandma? Why did my husband, why did my wife? I'm counseling somebody right now. We speak. And every time I talk to her, I'm telling her, I don't know. I, I don't know, but one thing I do know, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I know if you blame God, it's not helpful. And I know if you fight against God, you're just going to get further away. Some people deal with this by isolation. They move away. They isolate themselves. Don't want community anymore. Why? Because when you come together like this and God's presence shows up, you can't stand it. And so therefore you isolate and the enemy does what? He attacks you. I told you the story about the zebras, right? That when they're together and when a lion comes up, the lion doesn't attack the herd because they look like one big animal. But the moment some zebra gets it in their head, I don't need the pack. And they wander off. Not only do you put yourself in danger, you now put the pack in danger. Somebody lied to you and told that when you became a believer, it's all about you. No, you're part of a family, folks. And so when you grieve, we grieve as well. And that's why I have to have the church doors open on a Sunday. Because there's some family who realize I can't be in this place. It's too painful. There's too much memories. I got to get to the house of the Lord where there's someone preaching peace on earth and goodwill to all men. Stop fighting God and come to Jesus. My third thing, and I'm going to end with this. Stay with God. 
it's not all figured out yet, but, but stay with God. He's been good to you. What has God done that he's not worthy of our love? Folks, it's sin that did that. Jesus went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice to bring us perfect peace because he knew that sin and sickness and disease will plague this world that you're trying to find peace in. And you'll never get it. We don't grieve like the world grieves. The grave is just a resting place. The rest in peace is not for the person who passed. The rest is peace is for you who are alive and remain in it. Because if they died in Christ, they are rejoicing. It's us. Change the language, folks. Change the language. It's not them rest in peace. It's you all need the peace with God because you're going to blame him for the grave. Not realizing that the grave couldn't hold down Jesus. My last point is this. Thank you for enduring this message. Stay with God. Someone say, stay with God. No matter what's going on, stay with God. Stay with God. Tell your kids, stay with God. Stay with God, son. Pick up that phone when you get home. Call your kids. Call that coworker. Call that boss and say, stay with God. Stay with God. Stay with God. I know you're going through a storm. I know anxiety is on the move, but stay with God. I heard a message from this bald-headed sweat preacher who said, stay with God. And so, therefore, I don't know why it happened. Stop blaming God and stop fighting with God. But he also told me to tell you, stay with God. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Last scripture. Thank you back there who's doing an amazing job. Come on, put the scripture up and we're going to end with this. I'm closing my Bible and Richie's getting louder with his playing. Amen. Oh, Danny and Richie, yeah. I didn't see the both of them. That's their cue. Like, Someone say, stay with God. TGP, stay with God. Come on, that's the message when you go with them. Why you stay with God? I don't know everything that's going on, but stay with God. I know what's happening, but just stay with God. I know you can't figure it out yet, but just stay with God. Minister Kevin, stay, stay with God. Greg, stay with God. Betty, stay with God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Stay with God. When all hell is breaking loose, get on your knees and says, God, I'm staying with you. In Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Gives us the promise when we pray. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusted you. When I don't understand his theology, I trust his character. Verse 4, trust the Lord forever for the Lord God is the everlasting rock. And my Bible now is officially closed. Amen. Man, I love this church. One of the greatest joys of my life is pastoring this church. Trusting God that he orders my steps and call me to this nation with a message for this nation. And for the last seven years, I've had the privilege, Megan and I, of leading this amazing congregation. It is our desire to fulfill all that God has for us and all that God is doing. I'm here to tell you right now, this is one of the greatest times of life. Why? Because God's peace is going to rule our hearts and we will fulfill everything that God has for us because this church belongs to God and I just have the privilege of stewarding what God is doing. Are you hearing me, TGP? I love this church. I really do. My message to you is to stay with God. Stay with God. Experience his peace. 
Are you blaming God? Somebody is. You're a message to go tell them. It's going to be more than all right. There's a peace that surpasses understanding. Stop fighting with God. One more time, let me invite you to bow your heads, please, with me as we we pray. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. Come on, you want that peace. You want that peace. Your friend needs for you to get this peace and communicate it with them. Father, in Jesus' name, I've shared your word. And I pray right now that your word will go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. That's all I got. That's all I got. Stay with God, TGP. Distractions coming into this place at a rapid pace. Why? Because I believe we're about to step into a destiny. Step. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here, here's my heart. Can you imagine that we are a people that we purchased that property for the simple reason of just taking territory? Not to build anything, but just to take territory. The devil know we own land. And from that place, that's so against what normally happens. You build and you build this big empire. What if we just take territory and establish in that neighborhood the peace of God resides here? What if that's all we do? That 200,000, that we just purchased it for the simple reason. Who owns that? The church. Why? Because we want to declare on that property what anyone tell us what to do. And we speak to those houses. Peace be unto your house. That's radical beliefs, things. That goes against the very culture. That is what fires me up. Because that's the heart of God. Man, God bless you all. Stay in peace. Stay with God. Experience his peace. Fill out the prayer card. Rebuke the lies of the enemy. Trust God with your life. Trust your children to him. God is so good. Who's going to stay with God? Let's just...